Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. You know what? I am ready to roll. I'm ready to go. We are in the midst of a Another fabulous week here in the sports card hobby that we know and love. We are going to talk about a lot of different things today like we always do. Um, You know me, I don't necessarily like to cover the big hobby headlines. Um, Typically in that process, somebody on one of these other hobby content platforms does it and does a great job. And there's a lot of content creators out there covering the big stuff. And I love it. I love to get all the perspectives, but you know me, I like to be a little different sometimes. So I typically avoid the mainstream stuff. However, there was something that happened in this past week that I have to touch on. And I have to touch on it because I want to unpack it from a maybe a marketing or a communications perspective because that's what I do professionally. So I feel like I can lay some sort of lens to the situation that might be a little different than some of the other folks out there creating hobby content. So we're going to talk about the Fanatics interview on CNBC. We're going to talk about Michael Rubin's interview. Um, I always, I'm not there yet. Like, Whenever I hear Michael Rubin, I think of Rick Rubin, you know, and I'm then I think about Rick Rubin, the legendary uh, music producer. And what if he was the guy that was taking our hobby into the next generation? What if Rick Rubin could infuse some of that musical talent and skill and production to apply it to the hobby? What would that mean? I that's where my mind goes. So it's so it's. It's so early that I can't even get Michael Rubin and Rick Rubin separated. I can't. So at this point, until I hear more interviews on CNBC and other mainstream platforms of Michael Rubin, I'm probably going to continue to think or imagine, I guess, Rick Rubin being the guy who controls our hobby. And and the one thing I like about that idea, although, I mean, I don't want to, his career is legendary and certainly he has produced some of the greatest albums of my lifetime, um, but he's also a massive professional wrestling fan. So I think that would be cool. I think it would lay some, uh, some fun foundation for a, the, the niche of the hobby that I really, really love, and that's wrestling cards, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to start this damn show. I've got a countdown for a baby coming at my place. It is, uh, it's the, the days are numbered here, uh, that just being my wife and I, which is exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled. It's a lot, um, but yeah, we're ready. We've been ready. This is going to be a joy, and uh, thank you so much to everyone who sent me a note, who we've talked about, shared their tips about parenting, and um, yes, I understand. I will probably not be doing a lot of sleep, but that's I might be hitting a hobby Instagram at some weird hours of the night. You might see something posted at three in the morning because I'm taking care of a kid. I don't know. We'll see, but you know what? It's exciting, but and I have found the hobby to be a really great distraction throughout this chaotic period of life of preparation, um, anxiety, um, excitement, 
Um, I've been going deeper in the hobby and exploring than ever before. And I'm going to talk about some of that today. But yeah, I'm excited. Days are counting down. I'm going to try to front load as much of much content as I possibly can before baby arrives to try to keep some um, sort of uh, consistency with the show. I don't know yet if we might miss a, a week or two. You know, it's all up in the air. But I'm going to be focusing in this week on trying to build out that plan to make sure stacking slabs still comes at all of you while I am changing poopy diapers up in the middle of the night and probably loving life and losing my mind at the same time. You know who's loving life as I record this and losing their mind at the same time probably? And that's New England, New England Patriots fans. I think the story of this week is Tom Brady's return to Foxborough. I remember and that will have happened on the other side of this, but I'm thinking about it, and I, I, I cannot forget and cannot lose sight of Peyton Manning returning to Indianapolis for the first time. And I was in the stadium, and that moment was something special. And I remember like the feeling I had going into it where I was like, man, I can't wait to see Peyton, but God, I hope we kick his ass. And I'm sure there's a lot of Pats fans out there that had that similar feeling um, when that game went down, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal for a guy like Tom Brady, who most would consider the greatest quarterback or greatest player, the GOAT of all time, to return to his home where he started it all, won six Super Bowls. And I, I know that feeling those fans are going through, um, certainly when Peyton returned um, to the to Indianapolis as a Bronco. Uh, but that's exciting. I think football is, uh, it's been fun. It's been miserable. It's been all those things in between. But I love this game and I love football cards and we'll always be talking about football cards year round on the stacking slaps podcast. We will also be talking about basketball and we had media day last week. And I think it's heating up. There's a lot of excitement. I'm seeing conversations regarding the NBA and there's all these vaccination rules and um, that's kind of the story leading up. But I was watching the media day across the league and all the fun guys were having the pictures, Instagram, all that. And it, it took me back. And I think I, some accounts helped take me back to just media day when I was a early time collector in the hobby. And, you know, my perception when you had media day, you featured these players that had just got drafted, all the potential, these uh, shots, a lot of the cases made it onto rookie cards. And I just remember like when a guy had not stepped on the floor yet, like I thought he was Superman because of all the potential and hype around those players. And I think that feeling that I had back then is the feeling that a lot of people have now still just regarding, okay, I'm going to invest my money in these players who've never done anything. However, it could make it big. I'll say like, that's a game that certainly I know helps make the hobby uh, turn around and keep moving. But I'm kind of staying away from that game a little bit, but I do like to reflect on that time in my life where I was watching um, guys like TJ Ford and those uh, shorts that went all the way down to his ankles. I'm sure you all saw those pictures and me thinking he was going to be the next greatest point guard this league has ever seen. Fact of the matter is, is TJ Ford, while he's a fine player, there's a lot more TJ Fords than there are Chris Pauls or guys that changed the game in the league. So take that into consideration as all new product come out and we all get excited and people are breaking cards all over the place. I got a comment on the halftime show. Well done. Let's go. If we don't see a Tupac hologram, there's going to be a miss there. But man, loaded. You've got Snoop, Dre, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, and my favorite artist in the world, Compton Zone, Kendrick Lamar. That's going to be a halftime for the ages. 
And coming off of a halftime show, which I really enjoy, I like the weekend, so I enjoyed the last one, but well done, NFL. I think I love the theme, the West Coast vibe, but I got to see that Tupac hologram. I want to talk about some joy. So, so I'm getting so much joy in the hobby right now because I'm like Madonna. I'm getting into that groove. I'm in that groove. I'm focused in. I'm having conversations with a small but very tight community frequently. I'm learning. I'm stimulated. I'm getting excited. I'm, I'm very, very focused, very happy. I'm having conversations with my brother about what he's collecting because we collect similar things. So it's building those relationships throughout the hobby around shrinking the hobby, shrinking the hobby and focusing in on something that I really, really love. And I think there's so much distraction in this hobby, so much going on. And I'll always say, continue to find ways to shrink this massive hobby seat into a pond that you are doing backflips in and enjoying life. And I I just want to say, just out of the top, man, I'm having an absolute blast in the hobby. I'm cutting out distractions. I'm curating my content to be what is best for me. And I'm highly focused on that. I don't care what everyone else is doing. I don't care if people are going nuts about someone's IG live or some new YouTube video or whatever. I'm, I'm going to let it come to me because you know what? I'm the CEO of my PC and my hobby experience and anyone on the other end should be thinking about it a similar way. This is a time where we can own the whole experience and don't let anyone else get in the way of that. And you know what happens when someone fucks around and someone does something at work that is pissing people off continually and, you know, causing a big disruption in the workplace? You know what the CEO does? You know what he says? He said, Come over here. I got a meeting for you. Come, come, come talk. You know what? It has been brought to my attention that you've been a complete distraction in the workplace. Okay. You are, you know, causing disruptions. You are saying things that are inappropriate and you're caught, you're, you're not being productive. So, you know what we're going to have to do? Today is your last day. And you, our manager will help you in your things. Today is your last day. And so, I'm saying today is your last day to a lot of things because I'm the CEO of my PC and I'm getting those things out because you know why? I want a productive, happy hobby experience and we can all do that. I want to shout out the Ric Flair 1982 Wrestling All-Stars PSA 9 set a new record high this past week at $4,938 because people realize the importance of the Wrestling All-Stars. People realize the significance of guys like Ric Flair, and gosh, this makes me so happy. I love seeing the the wrestling card community rally. I love seeing new people coming in. I think wrestling cards are just getting going. If wrestling makes you feel nostalgic, there is a lot of opportunity to get in on the ground floor. It is one of those segments that I, I'm all in. I'm all in, and the community is incredible. I'm learning a ton. I'm having a blast. I definitely feel like there's more people in entering based on um, searching for cards on eBay, searching for prices going up a little bit, just a more competitive. I'm feeling that in the game, which is great. I love the competition and I love to see something that I know and love grow. So shout out wrestling card collectors, shout out wrestling cards, make sure and, and just follow my stuff because I share wrestling card content that I think matters. Shout out Zan Morning. He's one of those guys wrestling with cards. It's always doing a really good job to educate. So you want to look, you, you want to get into wrestling cards, of course, 
Listen to Stacking Slabs podcast. Follow Stacking Slabs across all your social media channels. I will always be talking about it, but go follow other people too. And Zan Morning would be one of those guys. Long game players. I think there are plenty of people playing the short game out there and people get pissed off because they see people playing the short game. They see people trying to win big, flip cards, all this stuff. I think this brings in more people in the hobby is the fact the fact that there's a sense in some sort of gambling component. You don't need to be the gambler, but if other people are gambling in the hobby, that brings in more people. I think too often we look um, at that and we think it's bad because we don't do it. And just because that's not how we do the hobby doesn't make it bad. In fact, it could make it good because this is a way that cards get in and out of people's PCs and end up in our hands. Some people have to sell. Some people have to sell, and it's the, the people that are flipping cards that go in and find those cards and then help make them available for people. So I was on uh, John Newman Sports Card Nation. Shout out John Newman Sports Card Nation. John is a OG content creator, hobby vet. He does just been hustling on that show for quite some time, developed some big relationships, asked me to be on his show. I had a great conversation with him. Go check that out if you haven't already. And the thing that I liked about the conversation, and this is the way John rolls, this is the way I roll. It's like, hey, if we're going to you know, spend our time and energy and resources creating copy content, like let's be real, let's be authentic, and let's just like, like act like we're just sitting at a table and talking. And that's what we do. That's what I do on this show. That's what John does on his show. So I was talking about this topic on Sports Card Nation, just, you know, hey, we got to let you, you got to, other people are all, you can't expect everyone just to do what you're doing. And the more people that are doing different things, I think is really, really good for the hobby because we all have, cards are the macro, but there's a bunch of different opportunities that you could, how, and how you can do cards. And the more people interested in doing cards different ways, I think is a really, really good thing. And it also got me to think about just in this conversation and thinking about why I'm having so much fun and why I'm focusing in. It's because I'm not indexing too hard on the gambling component or the futures or the prospecting, but I'm really zeroed in on the collectability side where collectability is the long game. You're looking, if you're trying to seek something that's collectible, you're in it for the long game, which is opposed to the short game players that are trying to flip cards and make a buck. There's not really a wrong way to do it. It just you just might have an opinion on what's best for you. So I was thinking about like what is collectability? Like what is collectability? And how would I define it? And what would I say if someone was like, well, what makes something collectible? And I think something being collectible is something or someone that has real estate in the hearts and minds of enough individuals that they want to preserve those feelings by buying stuff like cards that represents them. I think the moments that athletes or whatever you're collecting, those individuals have to make impressions in our hearts and minds, the more moments they have, the likelier they're going to be collectible in the long run. I think longevity matters, okay? And that's why I'm having so much fun because my primary PC is Peyton Manning, and Peyton Peyton Manning checks all of the, I'm lucky because I grew up watching him in my city and he was my quarterback. So it makes me really easy. It makes it really easy to want to collect him because I was there for those moments. Okay. So there's no one who's given me more moments as a fan of sports that have 
left a positive impression in my heart and in my mind than Peyton Manning. He he did the ultimate for me, okay? He did the ultimate for, for me, and that was help me as a fan understand what it feels like to experience winning a Super Bowl. And if you're a fan that has gone through that experience, and if you're a fan that has gone through it multiple times, you you know even more, there's nothing like it. And so when we have that feeling of going on that journey with a team and there's players that represent that team that we can go buy and collect, buying their cards is almost like a thank you, but it's thank you to them, but it's also a token of that memory. And that's how I'm curating my collection. I'm curating my collection around Peyton Manning and his career because his career is what made me the happiest as my as a fan. So to me, like being able to talk about guys you're buying, like I just did, and the reason why Peyton Manning is collectible to me gives me confidence. And we should all have that type of confidence when we're buying players and we're trying to evaluate their collectability. It's also the people too. You meet enough people, and I'm in a Peyton Manning group chat, and the passion rings every day, and the education rings, and you, Obviously, Peyton continues to stay relevant, and um, he's very dedicated to preserving his legacy. So I buy his cards because they make me happy and all the things I just said, but also because of his collectability, I have confidence that his cards are never going to go down in the long game. So that makes me happy. I think it, it makes me, I think there's so many great players of all time, Hall of Famers, but just because they, because of that, that doesn't mean that they're collectible. And I think there's a difference there. And so a key indicator, I think, if you're trying to find if your player that you love or you're thinking about collecting is collectible, there's got to be other people in the community who feel the same way as you do. Now, Mary collectability, okay? And I'm going to dig into a card that um, by the time this uh, podcast goes live will be in my possession. Now, marry that collectability of a player with a card and a piece of that player's history. And this gets me into my new appreciation, newer appreciation based on my kind of studying of everything, of, of something owning something that is game-worn. And you're hearing this and you're knowing... And if you're out there, you've been buying game-worn patches forever because you understand it. However, it it took me a while to look at the significance and importance of game-worn. And it took guys like like Kevin, TB12 Sports Cards, who loves that shout-out, and um, a guy like Kyle at Wax Museum who regularly talks about patches. Like For me, I've never been a primarily a patch guy. But then as I'm thinking about a player like Peyton Manning, it's like, man, how do I not own something that's game worn by him? And I think the movement from game worn, there was a movement from game worn to player worn. Okay. And there's a drop in uh, game worn stuff, which makes it more collectible. And now there's a movement from player worn to unworn jerseys that were just never even worn, but are there. And I think let's take, let's talk, taking a talk, taking a step back from like 30 years from now. And I know it's scary but doing the, let's do that for a second. And then think about the uncertainty and not being able to have a crystal ball to look into what's happening with fanatics. The question is like, will there be more game-worn stuff? I think 
think do some digger, digging around in your own research on Game Warden, but to me, it's underrated. I think you can get Game Warden stuff, and you don't need, necessarily need to break, break an arm or a leg, but I kind of went... Um, I went big for a couple reasons on a card. Not massive, but it came up, and I had to get it, and it was a 2014 flawless game-worn patch, BGS 9.5, um, Ruby. Flawless first year, 2014, significant. Not wearing a Colts helmet, huh? The Broncos card, it's okay. I want to preserve Peyton's legacy, so I'm now I'm having to make the move into the Broncos stuff, you know? And it's okay. I'm okay with it. But then you got a, a patch that's awesome that he played with that they, they cut from one of his jerseys like that's special to me. So I think for me, it's coming around on just game worn might not be a thing as stuff changes. Who knows? It's, it's becoming extinct. So I think that's something that I'm looking out for and I'm trying to consider as I'm buying cards. I want to shout out Black Griffin cards. Thank you. I got a lot of really good feedback about that episode people saying it was different it was art that was the intention trying to curate other people's voices and bring in new perspectives on the show is something i will always be doing on the stacking slabs podcast and by the way if you like what i'm doing hit the subscribe button right now hit that subscribe button and tell a damn friend the number one thing you can do for me i'm giving i'm it's all given i'm giving it away this is this is my show i'm not trying to do anything i'm just I'm, I'm, it's a passion project here. Number one thing you can do, tell a damn friend about the show. Will you do that for me? I also want to shout out Charity Buzz. Charity Buzz was a company that slid into my DMs and they reached out and I evaluated Charity Buzz and this is what I like about it. They are, they're, first of all, there's an auction October, starting October 14th, they're auctioning off a series of cards including high-graded MJs and Mickey Mantles. The funds that are being raised will support at-risk youth through the Inspiring Children Foundation. CharityBuzz.com. This is a plug for the this this group, and I I I like where the money's going and what they're doing. So I'm just going to sh- give the plug. Go check out Charity Buzz and check out their auctions. There's going to be some cards on there. All the proceeds go to a really good place. All right, let's close this show out by talking about what everyone's already talked about, what everyone's already sliced and diced. Talk about the CEO of Fanatics, Michael Rubin. And I want to talk about his interview on CNBC. I want to to talk about it from from the lens of communication and communicating with your audience. And I, this is something that I think about, I work on professionally. And I just wanted to share my perspective. And I also want to thank, I think one thing Chris Cardladder did a good job of curating people's opinions on that in real time on his Instagram feed. And my when I when when he asked about it, my my feedback and what I put in his response and DMs was I thought that my my when I listened to the interview, my first thought was I think he needs a little better communication support at Fanatics, or he just kind of is doesn't care and is arrogant. That was like my my reaction. Now, I don't know him. I haven't followed him, but listening to the interview, that was my reaction. I said it before. I tend to stay out of the hobby headlines. Um, but the Fanatics deal is a, a deal that's so significant and involves all of us that 
I want to share just a little bit about communication and, and what I think. I think, you know, the words that he used, it's important. And the words he led with was, it's about a different vision. The eclector experience is pretty brutal today. And then he went into the one-stop shop narrative. So the opposition that Fanatics is trying to, to build right out of the gates is that us as the collectors think that we have a bad experience because we're buying cards, we're exchanging cards, we're grading cards, we're selling cards, all in different places. Now, is there some truth and in, in validity to what Michael said? I think there is. I think there is a little rub when across all of those things. But I think the better question is, are we willing to take the rub across all of those things that we're experiencing today in the collector experience to give that up and to say, okay, one company, you just do it all? I don't know. You know, uh, I think about examples of, you know, there's one-stop shops everywhere, okay? Our one-stop shop, Better are they better served a solution every different segment in the hobby than a company or a business or a person who's specializing in one of those portions? I don't know. So I, I think that's right out of the gates where I had a little problem because you have this guy who hasn't really built and developed any trust in the hobby, which is fine. He, he can do what he wants, right? He's the CEO of Fanatics. But I'm, I, I want to sh- talk about this from the brand side, like the building of the brand or like what collectors are going to think about you based on your words, what's going to be in our hearts and minds, what's the impression, what's your reputation right out of the gates. My immediate reaction was, okay, you just bought this, you know, you, you bought these licenses, you're going to do this thing, but you're, you're, in the, you're telling us, you're telling us that the collector experience is pretty brutal today. Where's your so- where's the social proof? Where's the facts? Where's the data? Why? Like tell us. I'm a fan of change. I think business change is inevitable and it's always good to evolve. Change is challenging not only f- not for the businesses who are going through the changes and through you know new acquisitions and mergers but for employees and most important the customer. In order to be effective at change management, you must be an effective communicator. This is not a make or break for me, and my mind is certainly not made up. I'm talking about the impression and how I felt after the CNBC interview. I tend to look at things in a series of events and and try to spot trends over a course of time when I'm evaluating something like this. And I don't think that the right way to communicate what you think, I don't think this was the right way to communicate what you think because he neglected to do the most important that important thing that anyone can do up front. And for many people, including myself, this was the first time I've heard him talk about the hobby and talk about what he was doing. The most important thing is building trust, empathizing, and showing understanding for the shifts ahead. Instead, he he told us what we did not like. He was in the telling business without social proof that this community as a whole had a problem with the current way we experience the hobby. Unfortunately, being in the telling business isn't a great business to be in because power feels good and, and so does leverage. Over time, no one wants to be told what to think. I think being an individual and thinking differently is a part of the hobby experience. We want to choose. We want options. 
because people and companies have earned that. They've earned that trust with us. Unfortunately, that is not something that I heard that he recognizes until he does. Trust for people like me and other people in the hobby will likely be distant. I don't know. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know how you're thinking about it. But above all else, don't let something that you can't control ruin your hobby experience. Enjoy the damn cards. This is your escape. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back on Friday with John Newman from Sports Card Nation. Let's go. Get it going. Have a good one. And we'll talk to you really soon.